Live from the Caves of Time, this is Derailed Trains of Thought. folks, welcome to another episode of Derailed Trains of Thought. This is episode 38. My name is Timothy Beal. Uh, and I'm Nick Hayden. And so, Nick, tell me about where we're at right well, now. Well, it's a little more obscure place than we've ever been before, I think. But Possibly. Possibly. But anyways, all I know is that we can go left here and go down the corridor and see what happens. Or we can go right here and go down the corridor and see what happens. Hmm. And uh, that's all you're going to tell me? That's all I know right now, yes. And okay. then. <laughs> and what happens if I turn to page 37? Well, it goes to page 37, then we end up in colonial America. Oh, okay. Well, good to know. Yes. But if we go um, to page 28, we end up dead, assassinated by uh, John Wilkes Booth. This is a strange place. It is a strange It's the caves of time. Apparently. You can end up wherever you want or don't want. <laughs> well, it seems like it's very well named. And it's a little random, actually, depending which way you go. Sounds like it. Yeah. But anywho, um, we're not here to talk about obscure whatever we're talking about. So let's move right into our, our main segment, Story School. Okay, for Story School today, we are going to be talking about... Um, a subject that's probably more uh, writer-related than uh, other, but there's some uh, there's some special case, uh, cases. And what is that topic next? That is uh, the perspective, the point of view of your writing. First person, third person, narration, various, narration, narration. Di- different types of third person, yes. Right. Uh, we decided to do this just because I ra- wrote a random blog about it and we thought hey there's a topic <laughs> <laughs> well he was in our our possible uh topic list which is just, amazing actually <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> what what that we have a topic list well that too but that is on there i, I did not remember putting it there so <laughs> so okay let's go over real quick just for people who weren't writing majors what who are you okay <laughs> what, what are we... probably being productive members of society but <laughs> What do we mean by, what are the different tenses that Tense. you can write a story in? Well, tenses? Like past, present, okay. sort of stuff? You can include that, but I mean, okay, okay perspective. Okay, per- point of views, point of POV. Views. Yeah. Um, well, there's first person, which is the, I am doing this, I am doing that, you know, I, Jedi, which apparently is a Star Wars book, first person about Jedi. But, um, you know, Huck Finn. I'm doing this and hanging out on a river raft. And talking in southern drawl. Yeah, which I'm not going to even pretend to. <laughs> <laughs> Causes problems for element for younger readers. Yes, yes it does. To figure out the dialect. So for that's first person, very common nowadays, uh, and I'll mention this later, but I was harassed Natasha that all YA books are first person present tense, which is, I am doing this right now. I am being hit over the head. <laughs> I am suffering. I am not being able to choose between my two very good-looking boyfriends, whatever. All of them are that way. <laughs> <laughs> Even the ones that are narrated by a guy, probably. Um, very few YAs are narrated by a guy. <laughs> well, that's probably true. Oh, um, at least the ones Natasha reads. Okay, so what? That's that's first. First person, person yes. So th- th- is there a second? There person? is a second person. You don't see it very often. I hear, if my memory serves me, there are some literary ver- examples. Okay. Um, I remember there was a short story, story we read in college called, I think it was called Rape Dreams. That's disturbing. It was kind of it was kind of a humor. But anyways, it was, you are doing this, you are doing that. It's most common from, you know, choose your own adventure books, mm-hmm. interactive fiction, things that are trying to make the reader feel like they're there. They're, they're the character, which uh, would be a hint, hint for the caves of time. In case we didn't give that away already. Yeah. Well, maybe the, some people grew up without choose your own adventure books. It's poor, not. poor children. <laughs> it's always possible. It, it's possible. I mean, if you haven't died for no good reason while reading a book, <laughs> you haven't lived. <laughs> okay, they should put that on a tagline for their books. <laughs> I think it's probably kids these days. Kids these days would probably say that they have died for no good reason in one of their, their video games. We're, we're so old, Tim. It's like, okay. <laughs> Back in our day, we had to read a book to interact with fiction. We, 
we've talked about interactive fiction. <laughs> so we won't go over that. But there are I I want to say, and I could be completely off my rocker, but I want to say that Virginia Woolf has some book written in second person. Oh, really? That again, it might just be like two random neurons crashed together and told me that. So, <laughs> but I know um, Natasha one time had a uh, tried to read a advanced reader copy of a like a modern teenage like pretty thick choose your own adventure type book. Oh, interesting. Not, not like one of the adventure, like, oh, I'm a pirate, and I just died because the cannonball shot my leg off or whatever. <laughs> right, right. Okay. And then there's third person. Yes. Which is, you know, for many, many years was the way you wrote things. You know, mm-hmm. he did such and such a thing, she did such and such a thing. And then there's limited where you're just, where there's detached, where you're, you don't get anyone's thoughts. Yeah. You're just reporting it like a newspaper. Which is sort of the style you use for the Unremarkable Squire. It, it is... The Unremarkable Squire is very much, um, yeah, you don't get thought process ex- at one point. Um, but, yeah, and that's a, it's a different way of doing things. And actually, not a very common way, I think, nowadays, because people always want to be very emotionally invested in their character. And normally that's by getting deep in their thoughts, either through first person or... Through third uh, person. Yeah. Well, there's limited, which is... I think that's what I don't remember the technicality, but when you're following just one character, right? It's basically like first person, except not exactly. Yeah, it's not exactly. Yeah, you're not. You have you just have this little barrier, but there's a lot of phrases that the character would use and kind of it. Right. Sometimes right. you have thoughts, or sometimes the thoughts will kind of meld into the. Like dialogue. in the Wilder, which is a book that I reread, and and uh, from an old an old Pulp Fiction project where one person started a story and then the next person would continue it. And uh, Aaron had started the story, and he it was a comic booky story, so it made sense and employed the the protagonist's thoughts a lot, even though it was told third person. Yeah, and then there's there's a omniscient third person where you see everyone's thoughts. I mean, it kind of just switches. You're just roving around in people's heads, which also is not real common, but people do. Yeah, I don't think the third person omniscient. I don't think is as common probably as the other two, because it seems like when I do encounter it, it always kind of throws me for a loop at first. And, and I think you can do it very badly as well. I mean, mm. you got to do it in such a way so you're not being confused. I seemed like there was some book I just read an article about where. They do it real. It's very interesting how they do it because then you're constantly seeing one event happening and all the different people's perceptions of the event, mm. and it, so you can play with it that way. Sure. Um, I don't remember. It was a list of science fiction books, I think. I guess in a certain sense, um, Lemony Snicket does that to a limited. It's a sort of a limited uh, omniscient. It's kind of funny because you know Lemony Snicket is actually a character in those books. Yet at the same time, it he tends to kind of go through into the minds of each of the Baudelaire children pretty, yeah you know pretty regularly and then and then there's various versions of narrators that you know there's first persons that know way more than they should yeah. you know and stuff like that so there's a lot of ways to play with it and i think why i was talking about it originally on my blog because i was th- i was thinking back that i used to write a lot of first person um and uh greg who's a listener of ours mentioned in the comments that he thinks and i agree with him a lot of people start with first person because that's just very natural it's just you know yourself, and so you just kind of write in some version of yeah. yourself. I did it, I think, a lot because I didn't write very comedic, kind of overblown characters. And I think, I think when Dawn was on our podcast several episodes ago, she she talked about that for the same reason that she really preferred talking. It's the easiest to get on her character's heads when she's yes. from that perspective. And and yeah, because you're very deep into the person's heads. And the the interesting thought part about a first person, though, if you stylistically, is that they can be completely wrong. I mean, and what's actually happening, how you're perceiving it. And I know some writers really play with that. You have unreliable narrators. Yes. Um, well, and sometimes, sometimes though, even then, you can figure something out that the character doesn't yes. know, even though you are in first person. Like Hunger Games, Katniss is constantly fighting on who she should be with. Or Katniss is, is sort of uh, short-sighted when it comes to herself. She tends to have a pretty low opinion of herself. And so there's a lot of times when the reader kind of figures things out before she does. And which I think kind of drove uh, I remember drove at least one of my sisters nuts <laughs> that fact about her. But I think it's a very interesting thing with first person is that as the writer you're playing two games. You're playing here's what the characters think and here's what I'm trying to convey to the audience. Mm-hmm. Inside the you know so you you're you still choose I mean you're always making choices when you're writing any perspective but but first person I think is very common nowadays in the more I'm young adult and even I've written it recently for reasons I'll explain because of uh 
it is very immediate. It's very emotional. It's very, mm-hmm. um, and that's and that's appealing to a lot of people. And the present tense adds even more of that to it. Right. Uh, especially more as as people are trying to get younger audiences to read more often. You you know a lot of times you know that's probably why it's in YA so much because they need that you know immediate hook. And and what used to be at least a lot of books I grew up reading were third person with every chapter or every couple of chapters a switch point of view, but it'd still be third person be like I'd be following Matt around and then it'll be Randall Thor. Okay, real time. Um, that's, I mean, that's why I learned a lot of my, my perception of how you write fantasy is that you, you get behind the character's head and you do it from their perspective and two or three chapters later you switch perspectives. And that's how I wrote Strange Fred. But nowadays, they'll do first person but they'll still switch people every couple chapters. Mm-hmm. And they'll have two or three first person narrators. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting. Which, which is an interesting thing. And I, I haven't read them but from my point of view, it would be interesting, especially if we could pull off a, stylist, a very stylistic difference in how they sound, which is hard. I don't know if they mm. try to do that or not. I, I, I don't know. Interesting. Like if they have different dialects. Different and... dialects or different click uh, ticks of words they use and oh, stuff sure. like that. Yeah. Um, I think which I could think would be very exciting. Sure. Um, but anyways, I stopped doing first person because I think first person's very easy to over. Like I did, I did it purposely to overdo. But then, when you start honing, uh, at this point, that was in high school. When I started honing my writing, trying to make it more concise, less wordy, it's hard. It was hard for me to do in first person. First person is just kind of dumping. <laughs> mm, yeah. At least, now, I mean, when I'm not a good writer, it is. Right. It's because it is so immediate and so much more emotional in that sense than. You don't have as a as a third person narrator. You get to kind of hone it down a little bit more and not try to. Is that you don't always want the Cloverfield effect? Yeah, <laughs> in yes. a sense, exactly. In, to put it into writing terms, <laughs> nice uh, movie terms. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like converting movie a movie idea yeah. to a written idea. Yeah. So and so, I went to third person for a long time, and then I found more and more instances to drop back into first person, either because it's emotionally important or because it. There's a story, and I believe it's true, I seem to remember from high school, I was telling Tim before we started, that Mark Twain started Huckleberry Finn in third person, like Tom Sawyer was in third person. Sure. Um, and then he wrote, I think, like 13 chapters, and it just wasn't working for him. So he kind of scrapped it wow. and went back to first person, and that's when it, it clicked. And I think I found that for me, for me, the point of view has to be connected to other stylistic choices of the story. You know. The Unremarkable Squire is purposely limited because half the point of that novel is Obed Kainos's character, which is detached. Yeah, kind of, and sort of close off his heart well, for people to kind of understand him. So you first person totally wouldn't work for oh, that. Oh, first person would ruin the book. Yeah. yeah, and even third person in his head would. I mean, it would give away too much. It give away too much. Yeah, seeing him from the outside as a. I mean, there is this sense occasionally that the narrator. Is almost recounting the story, like he's heard, yeah, he's heard the story from other people. Well, and I think I think you set that aspect of it very well in like your prologue, because you talk about a lot about the histories, not in yeah. like a you know bogged down with information sort of thing, but like kind of take okay, this is where this story fits into the history of yeah. this world. Sort so of occasionally thing. the narrator, quote unquote, will kind of drop in and kind of see him saying like. Later on, Obed would not, you know, would explain more or, you know, and it mm-hmm. happens very seldom. Narnia does the same thing. Every once in a while, the narrator will kind of drop in and say, but that's a story for, you know, or right. if you would were a child well, of this place, you would. And sometimes, yeah, the narrator would say stuff like that, too. Lucy would later say that it was, you know, she would compare it to this or sometimes they would talk about what the characters, how the characters had described it. Or sometimes it. the narrator... Because you can play with it, um, Twilight Dawn stories. I don't know if we mentioned them much on the podcast, but there's a short whole world and short stories connected to them. The narrator there, it's it's written, kind of third person. You can kind of get into people's heads a little bit, but every once in a while they'll come out and say I, da 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 da. Mm-hmm. So you know there's someone telling the story, right? So it's so I I think it's important to make the choices not because it changes the whole flavor of a story. I, I did a story, The Isle of Gold, where I started third person, and it just, like, like Twain, it just wasn't working. It, it was, a, the events were happening, but it wasn't engaging in the way I wanted it to be. And so I flipped to first person because kind of the point of that book was this sort of wondrous island, kind of, 
And so I needed a character who could express the wonder for me in the kind of exuberant terms. And another another recent book of yours, though, uh, The Select's Bodyguard, you play with that because um, you s- switch from from uh, first person to third person depending on which character you're talking. Yeah, and I remember I, I kind of wrestled with myself because basically it switches back and forth between the past and the present. Mm-hmm. And also the, all the presence in the main character uh, in Bronze point of view mm-hmm. and all the passes and the girls the Clea's point of view and then I felt more and more like I could, could separate them somehow and I thought first person for the immediacy of the catastrophe that was happening in present tense worked but it would sound lame in present in the flashbacks so to right think. so it kind of separated the flashbacks and also gave a a different perspective of a very colored point of view yeah well, and it helped differentiate Bron and Kalia in a sense. Yeah. I mean, like you said, Bron is more immediate, and you get in his head, and you understand him somewhat, at least, yeah. pretty quickly. Kalia is the more... Uh, it's harder to get in her head anyway. So <laughs> Yes, it's, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that more <laughs> more later. Uh, but <laughs> but so, so it made perfect sense to have a third-person detached but, sort of thing for her. But it was weird to kind of do this back and forth. Mm-hmm. I no, I don't know if I've seen a story that I'm sure there are stories that do it, but I've never done it myself. Yeah. But it was, you know, a very conscious choice to purposely do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't read Great Gatsby forever, but it's technically it's told from a narrator who's a friend of Great Gatsby and stuff happening to him, so it's first person technically, even though it's about a mm-hmm. interesting. His name's Nick, so that's why I remember. <laughs> I think I mentioned that last podcast, but nice. <laughs> nice. Well, you know, we've been talking mostly uh, written word, but sometimes you get into some of this sort of thing with uh, more visual mediums. Now, there has been a very rare, when you think of like first person camera, you're probably thinking video games because first person shooters, that happens a lot. Um, Portal is is an interesting example of using the first person uh, perspective in a completely different way because Portal is in its heart really a puzzle game. But it didn't really need to be first person per se in order to to have the game mechanics of it, just the the puzzle of using portals to go from one place to another. But because they use a first person thing, then they added this whole other element of experience. Like, what would it be like to have this portal gun? And and it adds to the kind of the creepy setting and story that they they also tell with it. That reminds me, I love when growing up the old adventure games like the Lucas, um, the Lucas Arts games like um, Maniac Mansion. Maniac. Well, I didn't play much of like Full Throttle or Loom. Okay. Oh, if anyone's played Loom, that was a blast. Um, or even the King's Quest. I used to play King's Quest and Hero's Quest. I'm sorry, you won't be a hero. Those were awesome. But it's interesting. Then um, Mist came out. Miss is the same kind of style, except it's first person, and you were completely... I mean, the whole point of being first person was being immersed. I mean, you were the guy walking around, touching puzzles, mm-hmm. which vastly changes your experience of that sort of game, especially when they purposely make it so that it's such an engaging... I mean, the world is the character. Mm-hmm. And in, in things like King's Quest and those, it's not... It's more feels more puzzly. I mean, Miss right. is very... Pu- I mean, it's all puzzle, but it has a different... Yeah, exploratory sense to it. Right. Yeah, it's a different, yeah, totally different feeling to it than if it had just been three bits and you're yeah. looking at the characters and. If I had an iPad, I would pot buy Mist for. They have it. That's what I've It'd heard be about. That. Perfect. So anyway, so that's how most people think about uh, first person camera's perspective, but it has been done in the movies occasionally. And I'm not just talking about uh, Cloverfield, <laughs> <laughs> although Cloverfield is obviously a pretty recent example yeah. of it. But there's actually an old Humphrey Bogart movie where I think it's called Dark Horizon, where like the first third of it is completely from Bogart's character's perspective. Weird. It is very weird because it's it's interesting seeing this black and white movie and then seeing actors like talking straight to the camera looking at you. That's kind of a, I mean, again, it would be something you have to choose on purpose, but it could be really neat. Well, in this case, I don't... it's got a bit, it was a little bit of a gimmick in this movie's sort of case because in the first half, in the first bit of the movie, um, well, basically, it, it, the perspective changes back to regular standard movie, you know, third person sort of thing. After Bogart's character has plastic surgery to have his face changed. Okay. So you don't know what he looks like in this first part. Um, I see. And you just, so you just hear his voice. So it's a little gimmicky, but it's, 
it's really inter- an interesting experiment. I mean, because in film, normally they'll do it for little bits of scene, won't they? I mean, like you know, po- you know, so and so's point of view as he's waking up in the hospital, and you know, everything's kind of fuzzy. And yeah. Some... So, so they'll use it occasionally to really ma- make you, fe- you know, vertigo. I think they'll do that. Yeah. Thing kind of from mm-hmm. Jimmy Stewart's point of the view. The or... weird camera movement yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Real quick, we'll interrupt our conversation real here to give a shout-out to Greg, who showed up in our comments. Hey, Greg, it's good to see you. Hello. He says he can't stay long, but he wanted to stop by for a bit. So you're always welcome to stop in, and we'll give you a shout-out, even if we're talking about something else completely random. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I meant to borrow your your Caesar Cinematography book also talked about this, and I thought they, they listed another example of a movie that had a, some first-person camera in it that did it through the whole movie, but I don't remember hmm. what Yeah, I don't remember. It's been a long time since I looked at that. But I think it'd be really interesting to... It'd be a really interesting experiment to do with that for a longer sequence. I mean, now, now it wouldn't feel quite the same because we've got video games, but it was really interesting from, like, an old movie perspective, you know, where you didn't see that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah if you had the right story, it might really add something to it. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what it would be exactly. Yeah, it would be some sort of, because you can't, unlike a video game, you wouldn't be able to interact with it. But you'd be like within the character's mind. Yeah, I don't know what you'd do, but I love this. Now, where does this, uh, does the second person exist in film where the audience is the character? I mean, they do in like interacting, like the Star Wars tour thing on. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> right. The, you know, amusement part thing where you are the character mm-hmm. doing the stuff. But you think that would ever be possible in a normal sort of film? I don't know. Well, see, and that's... I mean, it would be sort of a first-person... Like, it's the first-person camera. It would just... Oh, that's true. That separation of yeah, you being the person and the person you're watching through is someone different. Mm -hmm. I mean, the only way... I mean, I guess it could be done if, like... um, I suppose it could be possible, like, if the character who who the first-person camera is representing isn't saying anything... Then, so, like, if you're a uh, Chrono from Chrono Trigger, and yeah. he goes dot 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 all the time. <laughs> yes, uh, there you go. First person a Zelda movie. So obviously, <laughs> Link never <laughs> Link never says anything because you're the audience. Yep. So. There you go. It, I think it starts getting sort of awkward. So, so, so it's really. I mean, it's really a, explaining wires for film between first and second. Yeah, yeah. It would basically it would really only be the difference of whether the character that the actor is talking to has a voice or not you know it's interesting they play with this in interactive fiction sometimes um because you're you you are the character but sometimes then you'll it'll be like i guess there's one famous game where you can choose whether you go to the guy's bathroom or the girl's bathroom and that determines which one you are because you don't oh okay because, because you're playing a character but then you don't know enough about the character itself Okay, so then the kid... That sort of thin separate... Oh, there's the other one called... Uh, what is it called? 905 or something like that? But anyways, you wake up in this room. You don't know what's... You're disoriented. And you're walking around. It's just whatever. And then you go out the door and you get, like, attacked by police. Or sometimes you get out and you just drive away. You're like, this game doesn't make any sense. But if you look under the bed, there's a dead body down there. And you've killed the person. But you as the player don't know that unless you've played the game properly. Oh, that's, that's crazy. So it's, so it's really weird because... Who you're playing and who you are, who you think you're playing, are two different people. Oh, that's messed up. <laughs> and so there's that fun kind of uh, in interactive fiction. Some people have really played with that. Oh, that's the, cool. That though. separation between the character you're playing and the character you perceive right. you're playing. That's interesting. I, I, I'd be interesting to, to play with the the. I mean, not just not in the writing sense, but yeah. the actual playing the game. I'd I'd like to like to try that. I, I might be able to find it for you sometime. So <laughs> maybe I can find find a link to it online, and we'll put it mm-hmm. in the show notes. If I if I find it, I'll put it in the show notes. One other uh, movie related thing, um, not so much first person. I, I think we've exhausted that subject. But yeah. in terms of narration, you know, sometimes uh, movies will include a bit of um, the novel in having a narrator, yeah. either for part of it or like just this. just at the prologue, you know. And sometimes this can work really well, you know, a.k.a. like The Princess Bride. Yeah. You know, that works perfectly for or that movie. Or you can movie. kill the narrator in, like, Monty Python and the Holy <laughs> Well. <laughs> that doesn't count. That doesn't count because they, like, introduce the narrator and then kill them. So. But, no, like, you know, Princess Bride, that works perfectly for a storybook kind of story like that. Now, handled the wrong way, this can feel very cliche and shoehorned in. And, that, it, and then you get Merlin's House of Mystical Wonders. 
<laughs> oh wow! That is for those of you who aren't Misties. That's uh, a <laughs> go watch. <laughs> that's that's a that's a old. It's a really bad movie. It sort of has the same sort of setup as Princess Bride. This grandpa telling his grandson some stories, except. All these stories sound like they belong from the Twilight Zone. <laughs> They're like, it should be like called Merlin's House of Mystical Horrors as opposed to Wonders. I should mention two things that I meant to uh, comment on. One was, Greg, on my blog when I was talking about Point View, you mentioned that scary stories seem to work really well in first person. Oh, sure. You yeah. know, because you, you want that immediacy, that sort of like, what's going to happen? You know, you mm-hmm. can do in third, he said he's done in third person, but I've never written that many scary stories, so... I don't know, but that makes sense to me. Well, what's House of the House of Memories? Yeah, I guess, House of I guess Memories that is sort of is. Yeah, that's of... third. That's third, isn't it? I'm pretty sure it's third. Yeah, yeah. I could, it's been a while. But I mean, that's more of a, I guess eh, it's not really horror. It's, it's more Ted Decker suspense. Yeah. Um, so. And then talk about movies switching. You know, trying to translate the book. You know, you mentioned Hunger Games is first person, mm-hmm. and then when they made the movie, they purposely made it very. Detached. They didn't use narrators. They didn't try to get her thoughts. Yeah. I mean, and I really, I watched them behind the scenes, and it, I I believe it was a very conscious choice of them to... To omit her narration or to, anything yeah, like that? Yeah, to make it... And I think that really makes it a, a, a powerful, a more powerful movie than if you had tried to play the internal mm. in the same way. Because the movie's different, so you play on the strengths of the movie, and maybe even... You know, the, the camera even is documentary style. Yeah, I mean this. I mean, at least in the first movie, it's very almost like this is what's happening, right? So it's almost a more immediacy of documentary than immediacy of inside the thoughts. That's a, yeah, that's a good. Which point. was an interest. I thought it was a really interesting choice because there's lots of different ways you could have done mm-hmm. the transition. Well, and that's and that's the other thing that another uh, bad thing that narration can do in a movie if you're not doing it right um and this was i was reminded of this when i was watching some review of the last airbender the live action movie yeah where they spend way too much time in certain sections on narration trying to bring in all the exposition all the information from the cartoon series that is important information but you know sometimes you have to remember show don't tell yeah and narration can be a bad way sometimes of telling too much when i think that's i think that applies almost as much to writing the first person sometimes can be your cheap way of show you know you can mm. tell more easily mm-hmm. and so you still have to learn how to show in first person that's a good point yeah. i mean obviously you can still say i'm angry but it's even better if you find ways to show it right even if it's you know I scream and hit my head against the wall until I knock myself out. I don't know. And then you get into awkward stages like, okay, how did you just tell me you knocked yourself out if you're unconscious? But, uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, the art of showing no telling is tricky even no matter what person yeah. you're coming but from. I th- I, yeah, I just figure knowing how I used to first person, I tend to overplay everything, and that's in more recent. Are we going to save that for a project update? Yeah, I'd probably okay. say that. So, all right. Anyways, but anyway, that's that's a good discussion about uh, about perspectives. And as always, as we've said on here, in many cases, it just depends on your story. Imagine that. No hard and fast rules. You know what? I'm really not a fan of those like ten ways to do such and such a thing. Those sell magazines and sell mm-hmm. books, but I don't think they're true to anything. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell Doctor Hensley that. Well, I mean, I mean, they're they're good <laughs> guidelines. It was interesting. I read recently. Uh, basically 10 rules of writing for science fiction that you should throw out the window. And it's like, like, normally you do this. Why not not do it? You know, it's like (laughs) examples of great novels that didn't do it. You know, did not do this style of narration or did not do this style of, it's like avoid info dumps. And like, well, here's a really good novel where the info dump is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So interesting. It was a neat list. So there's always, yeah, there's always exceptions, but yeah, know your story. Like we said before. Anywho, we're done. And, and be, I guess be willing to try the other way if it doesn't feel like it's working. Yeah, yeah. So. And, yeah, that's an important lesson, too. So, you know, first person isn't working, third isn't working. You try second, it's not working. It's not The story's not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> You've exhausted all possibilities. You're, you're writing from the hive mind. Um, I'm sure someone's tried that, too. But. And I'd love, to see, I'd love to see someone else try to do that uh, first person movie thing. At least for something that's not combat oriented, because I'm I know the guys, Doom movie tried to do it. Yeah, Doom movie tried to do it, and I know there's some guys like on YouTube that have done some like you know first person shooter simulator movie type things, which done well can be very cool. Make making a but, real artsy movie. <laughs> yes, 
I think I, that is one problem. I, I think I, I did hear from about like the movie that tried to do that because then you wind up having actresses trying to make out with a camera and that's kind of awkward. Well, they don't make it romance. <laughs> Gone with the wind, first person. But see, like with the Humphrey Bogart thing, the parts that worked really well were the kind of the more suspenseful things because then you have like the actors glaring at the camera and as an audience, that makes you kind of like, you know, want to back up and it's like, yeah, ah. yeah, if you did it right, it would be really interesting. Yeah, I like yeah. that. So, anywho, okay, we've tried to wrap this up a couple of times, so now we'll really wrap up and uh, move on to our soundtrack. So uh, this is your 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 first this oh, time. Oh yes, Nick. I am first this time. So I went through all kinds of things, and I my my gut reaction was Doom. It's first person, and oh, Maze Doom did lots of first person Doom action. And then I, I'm tapping my foot over here. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, so I decided not to do that and decided to go a little different. I wanted to get a different perspective from characters in the game, mm-hmm. you know, from perspective. So this is a song called uh, Tetris Plays You from the perspective of the blocks of Tetris. There's a wide variety of good old overclocked remix people who uh, are crazy. <laughs> well, okay, but we're involved in this song. Um, but anyway, they, collectively they're called Block Party. I think pun intended. Okay, Tim got me the list, so I can attempt to, to pronounce their names. There's Zircon, which is always awesome, and his wife Jillian Aversa, and then Level 99, Palpable, and Diotrans. 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 I, I don't. Know. I have no idea. Anyways, I think you might enjoy this. You know, back in the mother country, (laughs) is this where I come in? I am the square, you can put me over there in the middle or the corner. Symmetry. Rotate all you want, it's the same you see. stand for this? Hmm. Yeah, this is like total crap. Uh, That's it. 
I quit. Me too. Ouais, vive la résistance. Oh, back to Soviet Union. Yeah. Tetris too hard. And we're back. Hello. So, in case you had forgotten, we are uh, we are recording this and live streaming this. Um, recording as we're live streaming, I should say. So that's why we said Greg had showed up in our comment section. And so remember, dear listener, keep an eye on our our Facebook because, like today, we kind of we, we switched it up on you guys. <laughs> yeah, had a different our schedule just worked out best to do it today. Normally, or, it's uh, on a Thursday about eight thirty every month <laughs> yeah yeah it's like every four thursdays yeah. basically so about four four weeks from the 17th yes my wife's birthday that's why we're not doing it on okay. 17th. yeah so anyway we should go ahead and throw out a few uh more of greg's comments since he was on the board uh he says i wish more movies would introduce and kill the narrator like in monty python that would be good it would be fun says, he also mentions his pet peeve in first-person stories is when they reveal that they're dead at the end. If they're, if you're dead, then how did you tell us? Dun, dun, no. I don't know. They're, 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 That's a good point. They're telling to other dead people. Like, <laughs> hey, guys, guess what happened? They're like, we already knew you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> that could be. It's yeah. kind of like, you know, lost. Lost. <laughs> Okay, Nick's laughing because we had this conversation last two weeks ago about how many people still believe everyone on the island was dead the whole time. The even, whole time, like all six seasons. Yeah, even though it, they've said over and over again, no, that's that's not, not what happened. It, anyways, if you're not paying attention at the very last five minutes of a show that you need to pay attention to all the time. <laughs> anyways, yes, we had to get our, our, uh, our lost in this episode. So. <laughs> yeah, that was probably where it was going to come in. Yeah, so. <laughs> all right. Anyways, uh, we're yeah. going to do some project update. At some point, we're going to make it easier to queue up our musical cues, right? Yeah. Now, right now, I just have like a GarageBand timeline. That I like should, he had like eight windows open, flipping between them. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty interesting. So, yeah. Okay. Anywho, project updates. So, um, I will start with uh, my plug for if you have not read The Unremarkable Squire, how dare you? <laughs> no, but um, it's still available. Yeah, it's still uh, yeah. out. So it's still a great book. You have still, some more reviews. I have on some more Amazon. reviews on Amazon. So if you don't trust me, trust the reviews or don't. But um, <laughs> no, generally, I've had people all generally say they really enjoy it, yes. which is always encouraging. Yeah, it's a very very accessible. Maybe more accessible than say the Clock Tower. Yeah, which, which Tim <laughs> just read, and he's like, "This is kind of odd," which I I completely agree with. So, <laughs> but I mean, a good kind of odd. It's kind of a fairy. Well, not fairy. Well, it's sort of fairy tale, but kind of parable. It switches like three times. <laughs> <laughs> but if you like George McDonald, I think you would like this a lot. If you don't know who George McDonald is, you might not like. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing I've been working on lately. Yes. And which we keep like half hinting about, and why we started talking about narrators in the first place, is Chilling the Well still exists. Yes. And if you haven't been reading it, um, it's a good time to do it because we have three whole novels done. And mm-hmm. so if you don't like to read it week by week, you can download them. Well, uh, the ebooks of uh, Fall of the House of Kaiser and The Doctor's Assistant will be coming out. I think Kaiser should come out this week. And the next one the week after. Okay. So that so you can read in one lump sum if you're that sort of person. And kind of remind us. Let's see. So House of Kaiser is a sep as actually a separate a series line within Children of the Well. That's true. Yeah. There's two storylines. One is Select's bodyguard, mm-hmm. um, which is about these two people, Bron and Clea. And their story continues in in the Doctor's assistant, right? Which is also just finished. And the other storyline involves a, a young would-be emperor named Jason. And he, and he belongs to the House of Kaiser, which, as the title of his first book suggests, falls. falls so. <laughs> so anyway, that's been and also a nice allusion to Poe. Oh, okay. Fall the House of Usher. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. And it has nothing to do with the book. I just like the title. <laughs> well, anyway, Jason's story will be continuing uh, this fall. Um, in a couple of weeks, hopefully, you'll get the yeah. story going. Yeah, in a couple of weeks, his his sequel book will begin. And we won't be serializing two books like we did with Doctor's Assistant and the Fall of House of Kaiser. That proved to be uh, too time intensive for our limited staff. And possibly for our limited readers. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, but but his will be continuing next. And then the, the third book of the Bron and Kalia series will be written by none other than... Nick Hayden. Oh, oh. about me. Yes. Yeah. So um, it's called tentatively The Well's Orphan. 
which is kind of a fun title. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is I wanted to – We were, it's about Kalia, and she's a hard nut to crack. She's a, kind of a bra- uh, abrasive, overly intelligent, she's sensitive – She's too smart for her own yeah. good in a nutshell. Yeah, basically. So she's so she's and she was written third person for all of Select's Bodyguard except the last chapter. Shh, that's spoiler Is it? Oh, a little bit. And then and then Laura wrote in third person because that makes the most sense. And I was going to do that same thing, but it's all about her and it's a very emotional time for her. And then last minute, I'm like, okay, I'm going to write her first person. And then I kind of stared at the computer for a long time. <laughs> because she's not an easy one to do first person. She's not. There's no easy way grabbing in. point. Yeah, way in because she. And the problem is she has like two or three levels of self knowledge, which is really weird. <laughs> you know, like she know, like she does certain things, and then sometimes she knows she's doing certain things on purpose just to annoy. You know, so it's another time she's lying to herself. She's lying, and, and she knows. You know, and somewhere deep down, she knows she's lying to herself. So it's another time she doesn't. Probably. Yeah. Or, so. yeah, it doesn't admit Yeah, I don't know. And the thing is, though, I had to write with this sort of ambiguity on herself while also being detailed, while being really concise and, like... Matter of fact. Matter of fact. It's it's weird. And emotional without being overdone, and even though she's, like, in a horrible, horrible spot in her life. So we'll see if it works. Um, so far, the first chapter I've, I know Natasha thought worked. So that's good. So you can that should be coming out in and, january january so you can tune in then and see if the experiment see, works see how horrible it is <laughs> how how much of a train wreck you had yes. on your hands so and for a couple of quick reviews uh i should say point out here that greg aka the north sea as his uh mixler username is commented that he loved the clock tower so as he should <laughs> so that means you should all go read it yes because uh, there's a review review for you right there so that's are those are those the projects? That's that are what I'm your... working on right now. I got other stuff I need to do, but haven't like I did. I, I did actually some work on Sir and Fred oh, until cool. I started on this book. Right, trying right. to hammer it out as quick as possible. So. Right, cool. And I should I should uh, mention in terms of uh, projects for me. Oh, I, yes, uh, I recently put out a video of my my uh, Muppet roommate Leo visiting uh, the local Apple Festival here in Kendallville. Which was a lot of fun to do. It was originally filmed two years ago, and I can't remember if I mentioned it on the podcast before or not. I might have. Um, I don't remember. I, I've, I'm sure I've said something about Leo at the very least before. Oh, yeah. But anywho, that's on there. He's he's a crazy city kind of puppet guy that's visiting a rural you know, Apple Festival, Fall Festival. Oh, yeah. Um, Pioneer Festival. Pioneer, yeah, that's that kind of thing. Um, and he, he has... I. I told Nick, I Leo is sort of. I never quite know what he's gonna say next. He's sort of like a alternate persona. Uh, I perform him. Well, don't tell Leo I perform him, but <laughs> but uh, he kind of does whatever he wants. So anyway, some of his reactions are fun. I went through the hay maze with him. That's probably the craziest thing I've ever done. <laughs> Crawling around on my back with this kid leading me on. Come on, come on, come on! I'm like, hang on, kid. I'm about to die of asthma here. But. Nice, but it, it's a fun video. It's it's long. It was like eleven minutes, but it was it's fun. Nice. Okay, that's all we got. That's that's all we got for projects, and that's plenty of it. So with that said, let's move on to our take on tales. So I, we're running a little long, so we'll have to probably make a little short of the take on tales. But yeah, I think I think it's doable. Yeah. I don't know that we'll go real deep yeah. into this stuff. So, anyways, we're going to tackle some. Um, it's new TV season, mm-hmm. and we're not. We don't watch tons of TV, but we watch some stuff we think is good. So, yeah. Um, okay, so let's talk about the one that people know that we. I think we've talked about on here before, and is kind of one of our mutual favorite shows on right now, and that is Once Upon a Once Time. Once Upon a Time, which is a surprise that we watched it after all that talk about Lost. I mean, <laughs> yes, with Lost writers and yeah. has. A lot of the same feel. A lot of structural and similarities. The, and, and this season, they're they're on an island I, with a kidnapped kid. With a kidnapped kid, <laughs> they're doing. They do lots of roaming in the jungle. In fact, yes. I'm almost getting kind of tired of them roaming <laughs> through the jungle. It's been three episodes so far. Yeah, three episodes in. And I have to say, like season two had a lot of good stuff, especially beginning and end, and a lot of neat characters. But it got kind of unwieldy. Yeah. In the middle, kind of like too many characters. And this season. Is very, it seemed much more focused. Yes. And they did a good job in the first three episodes of really 
making sure we've touched base with all our main characters. Like, Regina had kind of been pushed aside until this episode. And then, so everyone's kind of gotten decent FaceTime. And, mm-hmm. and okay, and Peter Pan, I, that kid is great. <laughs> See, I'm not sure, I'm not certain when I think about this Peter. Like, I, I, I'm intrigued by this Peter Pan. Uh, see, well, like my sister Rachel pointed out, they keep saying that he has lots of power. But he hasn't really shown. Okay, he can disappear at will, but you know, so can Regina. Yeah. He, can, he can catch arrows in the air. Yay! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He has a band of like dark ranger lost boys. Okay, that's kind of cool, but yeah. it doesn't necessarily scream uber power. Yeah, I'll, it'll be interesting. Well, I wonder if the power just means that they say it runs on imagination. Maybe his magic doesn't really have any boundaries. That's possible because even Rumble Stiltskin's kind of. Afraid so, of him in theory. Now, you're right. We haven't seen much. Right. But I wonder if we're waiting till. I mean, he's kind of just to- toying with him at this point. Well, true. And it'll be, I'll be interested to see what they do with this next episode because it looks like they're finally. They're more of a confrontation. Yeah. Which, I mean, I have to say, I really I really dug the fight scene last episode in episode two. Yeah. Between, that was fun. Yeah, that was fun just seeing and, the mix it up. Hooks. It's great having Hook like the only one who knows what's going on. <laughs> well, the fun thing about Hook is that unlike the Charmings and Regina and Rumple, they all have this really color, this bad history. The only one that Hook has a history with is Rumple Stillskin. Everyone else, he's just like, whatever, what? mates. <laughs> Like, it doesn't have all this deep-seated animosity that so I, I think it's been a really strong start for the season. I, I, I would agree. I mean, I like the new setting. I, yeah, the law of jungle trapping. I can't... Well, and apparently it's never it's never daytime. It's perpetually night in this Neverland. Yeah, it, it's very interesting. They've gone with this very dark Neverland, and I can't... I go back and forth on whether I like it or not. Well, Be- because I was never... I never... I didn't read Peter Pan until, like, I was out of high college mm-hmm. so well, i mean I it, there's sort of there's a difference between revisionist uh fairy book characters and like just using like the skin of them to create yeah. so they completely new and and they this, do a lot of that though i mean they do do a lot of that i mean once upon a time is very uh well i guess the, th- the difference is for me is that like snow white and evil queen okay they're fairy tale they the, were not very depth there's not a whole lot of personality there anyway. Yeah. Peter Pan has a whole novel written about him. Well, so. well, and the thing is, I'm always curious. To, you know, everyone, all our main characters dislike him, but simultaneously, like in the last episode, he wants to bring magic back, but it at least seems like a good idea from Henry's point of view. I mean, yeah. maybe he's more gray than everyone's letting on. It it could very well be. I I've yeah, I wondered about that. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Plus, uh, plus realistically, you have a. A whole island full of boys that don't grow up. There might end up being more Lord of the Flies than Happy Go Lucky. <laughs> I mean, in a more realistic world. Oh well, yeah, true. So, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see where the season goes. Um, but yeah, so that's that's that, that one. That's that time. one. And then the new Once Upon a Time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the spinoff Once Upon a Time in Wonderland, which I really like the pilot. I did too. I was you know because pilots are hard. Yeah. I mean, pilots are tricky things, and I thought I mean. You instantly like all the characters, or at mm-hmm. least find them in... I mean, the person with the least... The Red Queen, I felt, was kind of the weakest. Yeah, one. and uh, yeah, and she just is. Yeah. Jafar, I was really actually impressed with. Yeah, man, Jafar, they had a they had a really nice intro for Jafar. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that they even has the snake staff. Yes. You know, that, that, I'm like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's, yeah, that's very, that's quintessential. If you're going to name your character Jafar, Me not that. just evil, evil uh, what's... What's his towel? Vizier. Vizier. <laughs> then you got to have the snakes. You know, and you know, and I love the Alice character worked really well, and the yeah, Jack. I yeah. mean, well, and I, and I was I was happy too. I liked. I didn't know that they were gonna have her actually be a little girl like at the start. Oh, yeah. Like the kind of the idea that she's been going to Wonderland for years now, yeah. basically. Which I thought was I thought maybe like the whole you know because like when Disney did the Alice Wonderland movie not too long ago, they had an Alice be older the yeah. whole time, didn't it? Or yeah. It was, or was that a return sort of thing? I, I never don't saw remember. It, so I don't remember now. Okay. But anyway, I like that she started off as a girl. So that I mean, it's very much in the wheelhouse of Once Upon a Time, and you know, you got True Love and da da da. Yeah. So if you don't like Once Upon a Time, you won't like this. But if you like the original, yeah, I, I can't imagine not liking this. Basically, yeah. Well, what, what I appreciate, I think, is that it didn't feel like it was like just the stepsister Once Upon a Time, though they had a couple connections. Yeah. It didn't feel like it was like hanging on everything that was. Right, like like it was dependent upon the other show, yeah. and I was surprised to see Storybrooke have a cameo in a, in a sense. I didn't really expect that there would be any connection, and I'm kind of curious how that works since apparently 
the White Rabbit had to bring the Knave of Hearts back in time to rescue Alice, or so it seemed. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Cause, back in time? Why is that? Well, because Alice was in, like, Victorian London or something. Oh. You know, or, like, older, 1800s. The Knave, so. the knave you know, the Knave wasn't. No, the name was in modern time. That's yeah. what I mean. Oh, I, I see. I see. How did he get? From, they had they had to go jump back in time to go from modern oh, story. Oh, he's a time to... traveling, right? Well, he's always out of time. <laughs> he's always late. <laughs> That's true. I guess that I guess it makes sense. So though, I thought it was funny. You know, they're always trying to find ways against a round world. Apparently, all you need is a rabbit can dig holes, and you're set. <laughs> That's true. Unless they can only go to Earth. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. That's possible. But, but yeah, they just need to find a white rabbit. Yeah. That's that's all Bellfire needs. Yeah. I guess. But so anyway, those are the once upon a times real quick uh, interjection here because yes. I've been meaning to get to it. Um, oh, Greg says in the Tim Burton movie, she did go to Wonderland when she was younger, but we didn't really see it. OK, so it was sort of like that. And I do like, as Greg also says, it's sort of implied that the oh, OK, so he's talking about OK, so it's implied that the Tim Burton movie was a sequel to the Disney cartoon. Okay. You can sort of also infer that like so the Lewis Carroll novel happened in Once Upon a yeah. Time Wonderland. Yes. So which even though I don't care about the book that much, I, I love the book. I still need to read it. See, I, I'm, I just, I'm a big fan of of, uh, of both the books. Okay. Of uh, look through Looking Glass and the original. I I would like to read it sometime. I just know the original Disney animated movie turned me off of the whole process. Yeah, for so I think I think Alice Wonderland is my version. You're Peter Pan. <laughs> it could be, <laughs> it, 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 which actually possible. explains a lot about my writing style too. <laughs> <laughs> that is kind of a big difference, I suppose, between. between Anyway, to answer a question that Greg asked much earlier about, he asked if Leo will have his own podcast or internet show. Um, the internet show is a possibility. And I, has been for many years. <laughs> You've heard me talk about doing a web series before. It would be something that would involve Leo, in part at least. So, yes, we thought about having Leo on the podcast before, but I'm not convinced it would work real well because his voice is not unique enough for my own, I think. I think it's been kind of fun to have him, me and him in the same scene sometimes because people realize it's me and like, okay, how did you do that? Um, but I'm not sure it would work on the podcast. Yes. But anyway. All right. And then uh, the other show we're both watching is S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents Ag of Agents S.H.I.E.L.D. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., yes. <laughs> Which, it, for, I was kind of ambivalent towards the, the pilot. I thought it was good, but it was like, pilots are hard, and I didn't it, I didn't know any of the characters very well. Right. And since then, I felt like I got to know the characters, and it's just kind of fun, and Coulson's awesome. Yeah. Yes, Coulson <laughs> is awesome. Um, what I liked about this last episode is I... Well, the um, aside from Coulson, who is you know, lots of fun, I think the most interesting character is the hacker girl. Yes. Um, just because there's this whole ambiguity of, is she going to go with him, is she not? And in a sense, she really kind of plays with, um, she, she's kind of the stand-in for the audience in a sense, in that, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. is this like secret government agency. Full black, yeah, men in black. I mean. Men in black, yeah. <laughs> they're the, the secret, the government group that we're not sure if we can trust them or not, especially in, you know, today's world. Yeah. With the NSA and all that kind of stuff. And yet, we're, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. is, you know, the good guys here. So at least that's what yeah. we want to believe. Yeah, and it was interesting when I, I think once I figured, watched a pilot then and figured out what kind of show this was going to be, because I wasn't sure, you know, because Marvel's in lots of different types of mm -hmm. levels of realism or not. This is a very comic booky show in many ways. Yeah. And simultaneously, it's trying very hard not to be like the movie. I mean, it's not trying to do big, right. the big plots. It's, it's, which you don't, it's, it's a good thing. Yeah, it's a very good balance I think they have because it's a comic booky show, but it's focusing on the secret agents. It's not focusing on like giant powers yeah. or, you know, respons well, responsibility maybe. But. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think there's a lot of fun potential there. It's, it's, it's been entertaining so far. And I like the mix of missions that they've had. Yeah, I think they, that's the, been good. Zach thought it was a good job that they did. The The second episode was, um, you know, in another country. You know, it's kind of like, okay, we're not going to just hang around trying to hunt down superheroes. Oh, that are, all happen to be in New York exactly. for some reason. It, yeah. yeah. Except the Runaways, which are in, you know, L.A. Right. <laughs> <laughs> which so, Runaways would be a really interesting thing to that have. Would make, that would make a great TV show, honestly. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, well, and I guess um, the the guy that they had at the end of this at last episode is a minor Marvel villain. Oh, really? But you know, because nice. you saw the hand coming out of yeah. the, like the powerful goop or whatever it was. And I think it's it's nice to kind of run around the edges of the big the big names for this. Oh yeah, because there's there's tons of minor characters and villains that you can that will never be in the movie. So is probably. Moon Knight small enough to get in this show? 
and what are, cloak go cloak and dagger cloak and dagger. oh that's what i'm thinking not moon moon knight's also a c level or b level but probably maybe cloak and dagger that'd be kind of neat but, but seriously i think runaways would fit perfectly within the show i don't know if they'd ever do it but yeah. i think i think that'd be a perfect fit for this kind of shit thing so yeah good hopes for that so thanks for listening greg i'm glad that's uh he, he has to go He's got to go around. I have to go here in a few minutes too. So, so yeah, we're, we're we're getting to the end of it. Um, do you want to talk about real quick? Talk about Revolution. 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 Another show I've been watching since the beginning. Early on, I was like, I I don't know because, and then they'd had their break, and then they like kicked it up like five notches, and it was like moving at laser speed. Like they were just going like months at a time, and and the show's always been kind of gritty. I mean, it's post-apocalyptic largely, and so there's people with you know. They fight with swords, and there's you know, they kill people indiscriminately. You know the random, which has always bothered me a little bit. But the drama really kicked up in the writing, and I thought, okay, I'm going. To get... And then season two started. I think we've seen three episodes. And it's brutal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, you know, it, and it's like the guy gets his main character gets his hand smashed with a hammer, mm-hmm. broken. It's just, it's almost it's it borders for me on a little too much, a little too dark. Just simultaneously, they somehow always have this sort of hopeful. It's not horribly bleak. I mean, it's dark enough, but it's like, but we're trying to be good people and we can be good people or something like that. And the characters are interesting enough now that I'm like, they, they did, they jumped like six months between the two seasons mm-hmm. and they, they, they did a really good job kind of mixing things up and moving things forward. So it's been a very entertaining show so far. I mean, I, I, I'm going to keep watching it. I think drama wise, like the last episode, they just, they know how to ratchet it up. And they, I mean, they've really played with that, keeping things stakes really high and not pulling many punches. So you don't feel like it's hit Battlestar Galactica levels of not emptiness. Yeah, and I think you know the Battlestar Galactica thing. I was thinking about the other day. I think in the comment bouncing too. off our episode last time. <laughs> well, a comment Greg had left. You know, and I was thinking sometimes I think the difference is when the pain brings out some sort of aspect of your character. I don't mind as much when the pain seems like it just hurts your character. Mm. And so far, the pain has. In, in Revolution has tried to draw out either good or bad aspects of our main characters in a certain way, not just like, and life's horrible. You know, okay. it's like the guy gets an arm beat, you know, but he still wants to protect, and, but he only has one hand. And so, you know, so they play enough with it okay. that I think it hasn't got that level yet. I mean, it could get that level, right. I think. So I'm, I'm waiting. Okay. And real quick, I'll just give a shout out to NCIS, which... I know it's not it's not a great TV, but family has watched it for years, and I, so I, I watch it with them. It's it's fun, and you know they're procedurals, but after what you know, it's been on for like the first the main series NCIS has been on for like ten years. So by this point, you really know the characters pretty well, and um, when the leading lady stepped out this year, it was you know it was really hard to see her go, and and they did a good job playing with that, and you know even though it, you know the show is really more about well, in one sense, it's about the crime drama, but a lot. I think probably what keeps our family coming back is watching, seeing what the characters are doing and they're interacting and their banter and and all that stuff. And they keep doing a great job with that. The spinoff show NCIS Los Angeles, we still laugh at just because it seems like every other episode they're chasing after a nuclear bomb. <laughs> and most of the cases were like, what does this really have to do with the Navy? <laughs> but uh, again, the characters are fun and kind of ridiculous and... Uh, and so fun stuff there. So anyway, if you're looking for a safe procedural sort of thing, we enjoy that. And we wish, um, which I hadn't never, I had never really got. Like I really enjoy Purse of Interest, but I never gotten into it as much as my family does. But I do kind of empathize with them. They moved it like right after both NCIS shows. Oh, so it's like three in a row. Yeah, yeah. So it's like three in a row, and it's like it's a bit much. That's a lot of TV to yeah. sit down and watch all together. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's that's still, a show I would like to catch up on one of these days. It's totally worth it if you're able to Netflix a. I, yeah. I, I assume you can get DVDs from Netflix. Yeah, probably. Right? I don't think it's in the streaming, but I, w- I would like to catch up with that too. There's there's lots of uh, I haven't seen, but it's every time I watch it, I, I've really anything it. with Michael Emerson, I'll go for. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's fun too because well, I, I watched the pilot. I think maybe one or two more episodes. I'm like, this is good stuff. It, it is very good stuff, and they've expanded their regular cast yeah. too. They've I've heard that they've they keep adding new people and there's like this one 
there's this one recurring character that I've seen a couple of times who's she 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 can like talk to the machine like the machine that that gives them the feeds them yeah. the information has sort of taken on some sentience. Interesting. And there's uh, yeah yeah I gotta get this and there's and days. there's this one crazy hacker girl who has started being able to talk with it, but she's kind of nuts. Interesting. <laughs> so it's it's a real we're not sure where they're going with it, but it's a, it is it's a fascinating show and I've enjoyed it whenever I get I have a time to watch it. Yeah. But anyway. We've gone on plenty long as it is, so it's time to start wrapping things up here. Nick, what is our contact info? Well, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Please mm-hmm. do. You can visit our website, uh, deraldtrainsofthought.blogspot.com. Leave us comments. We love comments. Um, and you may even get mentioned in the show. You like, probably will if you leave a comment. <laughs> like, like we've talked about Greg a lot <laughs> this episode. Greg, 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 Greg. Greg, Greg. So, Greg, Greg. <laughs> we keep saying his name often enough. Maybe we'll turn into a Pokemon, <laughs> or be someone from Greg, 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 Gregory, Greg, 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 Gregory. <laughs> wow. Okay, then <laughs> it's apparently time for us to bow out. Um, you can also email us at duraltrains at gmail which I have not checked in a month. <laughs> no, uh, I'm sure. I so maybe we have tons of fan mail. It could be. Well, if if you have if you have written us fan mail, um, we we apologize for the wait, and we will get back to you. Um, but anywho, uh, it is cl- we are clearly up too late, so we're going to wrap this up with my soundtrack. And because again, we, we talked about Portal earlier because I thought it was fitting with uh, being a first person game, so I thought we should do a song from Portal. And of course, the song everyone knows from Portal is still alive. Of course, uh, with the infamous computer Glados. And this is actually uh, a remix called Live from Subject Hometown Here. Um, and it is performed by the Gamer Symphony Orchestra. And uh, it's a pretty fun, you know, Still Alive is kind of a techno-y sort of, I don't know what you call it exactly. It, it plays with a computer thing. Yeah. But this is a really nice, if you're going to do an orchestral version of Still Alive, this is what it should sound like. So anyway, it's quirky, and I hope you enjoy. With that said, this has been Tim. This has been Nick. And we will see you next time. Yeah, and we'll have to choose uh, what page to go to and hopefully don't die. Yeah, and hopefully we'll turn up in our own time period. Our own time period, not like like an Aztec time, because that would be that, wicked bad. That would be bad. They might want my heart, so... This was a trial I'm making a note here Huge success. It's hard to overstate my satisfaction. Aperture science. We do what we must because we can. who are dead but there's no sense crying over every mistake you just keep on trying till you run out of cake and the science gets done and you make a neat gun for the people who are still alive
该。